Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Mondo Neon Show. I'm with Cody Schaefer. Thanks for coming on, man. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so Cody, uh, you've got some pretty spectacular things happening in Japan. Uh, for anybody that's listening right now and doesn't really know, Cody is in Osaka documenting uh, and also working with a neon shop. Uh, Cody, you want to just kind of let our listeners know, you know, how did you end up in Japan? What, what's the, you know, what's the climate there, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so I ended up in Japan last September. So I believe it was about 16 months ago. I came over here because my, my then girlfriend from university was over here and I decided to move from New York to, to Osaka. And upon moving here, I got hired at a neon shop at Yoshi's Neon Studio. And it's been a really interesting experience working in the Japanese environment and learning about their way of doing signs. And, you know, the, the principles of, of making neon are the same, but the, the techniques and the tools and the methods are, are very different. So it's been an interesting time. And two is like throughout what I see on your on Instagram, because Cody, you do a fantastic job of really, you know, what, what's happening with the neon industry there. Is it is just as much happening in the U.S. where we see things kind of coming and going and new shops happening, but fewer and fewer people getting involved? Um, there's probably been a dramatic rise in technology. And I think that's part of what I think makes it so unique. Like uh, Japan is such a forward thinking country, especially when it comes to technology. You've got things like that they get like five years ahead of us, you know, even in like maybe just, you know, tech and different stuff like that. Do you, you see that? But there's also this strong emphasis on history and uh, philosophy. Have you seen the transformation just being there in that short amount of time, like being able to relate to that at all? Uh, you know, I think there's there's kind of both sides to it where Japan is, uh, you know, technologically advanced and, and all of that. But at the same time, there is a lot of the cultures and customs that are stronger than anything else. So uh, in comparison to the United States, uh, what I'd say a, a pro about the United States in comparison with, uh, with according to Neon is... You know, you can go on Craigslist in America and find a neon setup and essentially really set up your own shop and practice. And there's a lot of free space to do that. So we see a lot of young artists doing that. And I think that's a great thing about the United States. Whereas in Japan, uh, it's a lot more, I don't want to say regulated, but it's a lot harder to find equipment. And then to learn, it's, there's not really many schools anymore. So I'd say there's a higher barrier to entry here in Japan. Um, so and also too, like when you look at, um, it's such a, a strong, because I mean, in Japan, it's really typical. I mean, there's a very strong system in place to kind of, okay, well, you know, you want to go to school and it's very prominent to have like a very specific, you know, these trades that kind of came out of nowhere and still exist. You know, there's, there's definitely like a globalization of what's happening you know, the sort of the business work ethic involved. and then what I think I understand in Osaka is there's like, it's a very much uh, a different culture than say like a Tokyo, another major city, which is like a Mecca for, you know, uh, this is what you do. This is the standard of living. This is what you need to do to achieve success, et cetera. Like within those patterns, I think what I've noticed is that the, you know, that this kind of Osaka is very reminiscent of 
like a, a very upbeat and uh, entertainment culture. And, uh, you know, you can almost like run into anybody's conversation and just kind of get connected that way. Do you think it's very counter culture to the rest of Japan, like Osaka in general, since you've been there? Yeah, you know, I guess some people could like uh, consider Osaka to be the California of Japan in terms of uh, maybe it's more laid back here and like, uh, you know, the slang here and everything is different. Whereas in Tokyo, people considered people from Tokyo to be kinder and more polite. Or yeah, over here, it's a bit more, uh, you know, rough around the edges. But uh, it's, it's, it is fun down here and they're known for their food. But um, I, I guess neon wise, Tokyo is experiencing, you know, they have a lot of new cafes and it's very trendy. So the neon industry in Tokyo is, is probably more, um, it, it's more uh, successful right now than it is in Osaka. We're here, it's just a lot of repairs, especially from, uh, from typhoons. So the, the neon industry here in Osaka is not quite up running where it could be yet. Yeah, I think, well, in, in growing with that, you know, that idea, um, what I think has worked really well is like the production and, and like the repair of neon. I think it's earned Japan a, a very strong reputation, even in like photographs, which you're working on is like a photograph book. And we can talk about that in a minute. But this idea of documenting what's being made before it gets left behind. I, I think we've all experienced that in every part of the world, specifically wherever you're at, but you can see the sign that's have some signs that have been there. Um, but what I like about it is that, you know, you're, you're with the makers behind them, the tools and styles that they employ versus what's affecting other, you know, uh, shops out there, but the Japanese probably do things a little bit differently. And then you like vendors that are listening to our show, which they do all the time while they're making their work. What have you, kind of taken from that and that you could like share that's unique or maybe just kind of took you off guard is there anything that you kind of think about while you're in the shop that's you're like oh i never even thought of doing that or or whatever that might yeah. just kind of yeah there's a you know the one of the first things that i noticed uh, upon working with yoshi-san was uh the, i guess the order of operations in the shop so typically i'm used to working uh, in a shop where you know you have your neon layout and you're going to you know, bend a unit, pop the electrodes on and send it over to the pump, sit there and wait for it and just kind of go piece by piece. Where in Japan, or at least the, the, the shop I've been working at, uh, it's you, you do all your bending at once and then you cut all the glass at once and then you splice all the electrodes at once. And then you, so you do everything uh, at, the, at the same time. So, and I understand on some shops this would kind of be this would this would take more time because other people might be waiting on you to you know paint tubes or something like that but it seems like you know if you're going to splice you know 30 electrodes at one time you're less likely to get a hole in the electrode where you know you're just doing the same thing over and over again so you're used to doing it whereas if you're kind of jumping back and forth from different tasks, you might not be as precise. So that was a big thing. And then another interesting thing here is the lack of uh, high voltage precautions. So in the US, you know, we have the UL and all this with the secondary uh, ground fault protection. And, you know, we're very, you know, we make sure we insulate all our electrodes and everything. Whereas here they don't use electrode caps and 
there's signs that you can go up to on the street and get shocked if you were to touch it. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, it's like a novel thing. I think there's other countries out here too. And it's interesting to see like develop, like Japan is such a developed country that they have, and cause they're very much like, I guess, systematic driven, like, and I'm just coming from what I understand about it. I'm not obviously not Japanese. What I think that I've just, hearing that is like there's just a, a room for more development maybe at some point there maybe there was or just the need for that like efficiency just to make a lot of tubes maybe do you think it comes from just this like this mass production level of like trying to put enough out there or do you think it's just they haven't thought of that yet or gotten around it you know it could be and on uh you know on the smaller signs you'll see in a cafe yeah it'll usually insulate it and stuff but on the bigger signs uh, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't really need to, and it and it didn't. You know, that's just the way they've been doing things. Hmm. Um, I've been do, so I've been doing research uh, for this this book, and I I found that they Japan had really taken after uh, a mixture of, of methods from the United States and Europe, and kind of mixed it together and created their own hybrid for for methods. So. Like they're also their torches. Uh, they'll they'll use a single torch similar to what they do in Europe for everything at, for, at some shops. So it's just kind of like a, a mutilation of both styles. And is like the preferred torch? Is it like you know? Are they doing just hand torch? Or are they doing like uh, you know, crossfire? Is there one specific? You said like one torch. Yeah. So the the old school benders will use. A, it's kind of like a, what you'd see in in Europe where it's like a vertical cannon fire and mm -hmm. it's adjustable where you can turn up the gas and you can heat up more of a tube and do a curve with it or you can turn it to a fine pinpoint to where you could you know weld on electrodes with it and you know some shops also use ribbon burners a lot of them do now but you know back in the day a lot of the the old school vendors would just use that one fire and he's like with the cost of living in Tokyo and Japan and so Osaka, is it is it uh, affordable to have your own neon sign, or is it just mostly strictly for commercial? Like, what's the approach for, let's say, like how it gets out there? I would say it's pretty rare for people to have their own neon signs. Uh, I would say it's, it's yeah, it's something that a business would order, and uh, you know, I'd say price wise, it's roughly the same as the states, but. Um, I don't know. It's just different in the United States where people would say, Oh, I want a neon sign in my house where people here probably, probably wouldn't come across their mind. You know, some artists might be, but you know, you're the typical Japanese person might not have a Japanese or might not have a neon sign in their house. Yeah. It's not like uh it's not like a kind of a live in type of environment to where, I mean, it's just something that you would want only when you go out to only be reminded of. Cause I mean, let's face it, you know, most places in Japan are, are fairly small due to the limits, you know, especially in larger cities, you're not going to get a lot of space. So you can imagine what it's like to have one of those signs and like maybe the one bedroom that you have available. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and what I think too is unique, especially with what I've seen is uh, the Tanbori, which is like this, the, this is essentially the, the, the heart of the soccer, right? There's like a heavy emphasis on nightlife. Um, which are, you know, the area that you're really focusing in on for its neon lights and entertainment. And it's cool because you could trace it back to the 1600s where they're expanding. There's like a tiny river 
which was like the hope of like increasing commerce, right? And it's the highlight of this place is like the bridges and all the lights basically hit off this, this almost like this waterway. It's so unique. You ever have you, you know, what do you think is, is so powerful about that area? Yeah. You know, uh, it's, I guess, like you said, it's just been around for such a long time and that's just kind of been the, the district for, for theater and entertainment. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's also gone through like the destruction of the war, but they, they built it back up and, you know, it's, you know, every couple of years they, they update it and update it. So I guess it's, it's like a tradition of Osaka. And uh, a, a weird thing about it is that that river is so dirty and gross, but if, uh, if people are celebrating, you'll see people jump off the bridge into the river. And <laughs> for some reason, it's a weird tradition. So I'm guessing they've done that for many years. That's <laughs> like the, it's like the, the East River in New York. It's like, what do you, what the fuck are you thinking if you're jumping in that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that, it has a bad smell and a weird color. That really you're really you're going to walk out with your arm or uh, <laughs> contract something totally. very, yeah. I mean, the highlight too is there's, there's like, uh, and I've seen it on your, and I was completely unaware of until I was really kind of looking and tuning myself in. There's this uh, Glico running man. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, this is like a pinnacle of, signage but what i like most about this sign is that there's been multiple iterations of it like i had no idea but it actually goes like i think it's on its sixth or seventh iteration do you know much about that yeah so the, the glico running man is the is a landmark of osaka and so whenever you go down to dodenberry you'll see you know everybody's posing in front of it and unfortunately the last time they updated it they changed it out from neon to led but I'm assuming they're going to change it again soon because the LEDs are a, a bit dated on it. But um, the the oldest picture I have of it, I believe it's from 1937. And so that's very unique because it was really in that first you know, decade that neon came to Japan and they built such a huge, magnificent neon sign. And I'm assuming it got destroyed in the war, like everything else in the area. And but they continue to keep on the tradition to you know update it, and it's it's quite amazing. Yeah, I I posted pictures of the the iterations of the sign. Yeah, it's it, what I love most about it too is there's this, it, I guess romanticism, especially when you people say it's nostalgia, but I think there's something really historically driven about Japan. Like you can really go back and see these very dynamic eras because you said like the war, but there's also uh like shrines and uh really like led mixed with neon mixed with almost like sculpture like there's parts of it like there's this mechanical crab on uh kani daraku which is like a it's like this giant famous crab situation like a restaurant and i think right really recognizable about all those things together but when you get them all at one shot it's like yeah i mean you got to start taking photos this is just like some crazy sideshow that just keeps going you know um what do you what would you recognizing especially with like i didn't know this but um one of my favorite movies is actually black rain i don't know if you know the film but uh it's uh, a popular movie location for hollywood films like it was shot there uh it's like a five minute walk from the nearby namba station uh hmm. i'll have to check it out yeah for anybody and if i mean if you're 
into films and you and you like neon you should definitely go uh actually a japanese uh, friend of mine recommended to me it's uh got michael douglas in it and uh it's from the 80s it's from 89 it's actually uh was directed by ridley scott who uh who did many other great films like uh yeah you know the big big science fiction films like alien and blade runner so um but it features a lot of really cool neon. Um, actually, Michael Douglas ends up starting in New York and then gets transported. Uh, he's got to go after the Yakuza and goes to Japan, and there's this whole dangerous underworld. Uh, and anyway, it's shot, a lot of it is shot in Japan, and there's lots of really excellent uh, neon. And it actually just happens to feature part of Osaka. So if, you ever, if anybody wants to check out that movie, I highly recommend it. It's, got a really, it's, it's, it's good. It holds up. Um, you know, there's a lot of really uh, interesting pieces to it. So yeah, check that out. Um, Speaking of the Yakuza, I have some interesting uh, information about the Yakuza and Neon in Japan. Um, and also, I guess, connected with the gangsters is pachinko parlors, which are very big over here. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so for anybody that, doesn't know, heard, anybody that doesn't know what a pachinko parlor, you want to just touch on that for a minute and let them know what exactly that is? <laughs> Yes, yes. So a pachinko is, and I don't even really know how to play pachinko. It's a, it's a, the mixture of a slot machine and a pinball machine. Uh -huh. And it's basically slots and people go there and gamble. And you'll, you'll see pachinko parlors all over Japan. And when you walk by, they're going to reek like cigarettes and it's, they're going to be super loud. So you can't miss them. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get and, off, uh, off topic. So there's the Yakuza, you were going to mention them. Yes, yes. So um, I guess something that, that was brought up to me is that a lot of Koreans own the pachinko parlors in Japan. And so they'll hire Korean neon shops in Japan that are meant to service those types of businesses. And also with Yakuza in Japan, it's a company policy for many companies not to do business with Yakuza. It's, it's very frowned upon. So it's a, they'll have their own kind of web of sign shops and neon shops that service those types of businesses. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> that, uh, that is yeah, really I'm, I'm happy I didn't stumble into a Yakuza sign shop. That <laughs> yeah, you might be. But so anybody that doesn't know, Yakuza is actually like a Japanese mafia. Um, it's basically you know, seen as like, uh, that, that type of environment, but what's, yeah, like there's only so many types of neon shops and it's interesting that they would employ like their own Japanese underworld of neon. Right. I mean, that's a completely different, uh, book, <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's highly publicized and a lot of people know, and you know, crime for anybody that doesn't have been following, but crime in Japan is dramatically low. You know, there's, there's obviously like zero guns you know if there is one it's highly publicized and you know you're ostracized and thrown in jail and whatnot but it's interesting the corruption and the idea between this unique place i mean it's yeah i mean there's a lot you can dig into that but as far as like the the spectacle and everything else like that what is what is really cool too and we talked about that was and i didn't know this which was fascinating during World War II, there was neon signs were gradually becoming more popular. And at the very end of 1957, uh, Tatsuko Company put up this huge neon billboard, which is modeled after New York City's famous billboards uh, in Tsukiyabashi. So it's located in Tokyo's like downtown shopping district. And they switched these lights on, and this billboard was a nationally televised event. 
And when the lights came on, the new name of Tatsuko was revealed to the world, and the and the name was Sony. So can you imagine wow. you know, Sony coming all out with the and how they launched their whole new rename and rebranding was with a giant neon sign. So yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so and it's really cool to still see. I think that I think they still can do quite a bit with neon. Um, and some of these businesses like Asahi, which is a very large beer company, still does a tremendous amount of neon as well. Oh yeah, all over Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I really want to touch on the Kickstarter too, for we kind of been hinting at a book. Um, please talk about this because I want everybody listening. It's still going on right now. It's still live, so you can go in and contribute. But kind of just give people an idea of where you're at with the book because it's already funded. But I'm, I really want to get the word out there so people can get a taste of what's happening, especially in, in this region. Yeah. So in uh, this past, let's see, from January now until April, or my last couple of months in Japan. So I'm really spending a lot of time on researching and photographing. And the, the idea of the project is to make a, a photo book and a, kind of like a documentary about the Japanese neon industry and the, the history of it. And also the, the tools and methods that are employed by the, the two vendors. So it's really just taking uh, what's here in Japan now and what's, what's essentially vanishing and getting it into a book for people to see. And then also, you know, taking uh, also, I think it'd be interesting to two benders because you can learn the techniques that the Japanese use that might help you in your own shop. I like that. And then what's really cool, there's, I think there's about 28 days left, so there's plenty of time, but definitely go out there if you're listening. And if you want to know more about Japan, just, you know, you've got a great video up online too. If you, what's the link that people can, if you just search Kickstarter, what do they go to? Yeah, they can actually just Google Neon Spectacular Japan and it'll come up. Awesome. Uh, Cody, what's next? Are you like, as far as the book, you're, you're coming back to the States or you're going to be there for a while? Yeah, so I'm coming back to the States in April and uh, what's next is still kind of in motion. So that's, uh, that's to, to be determined. I have a couple of, of options upon coming back. I'll, it'll, it'll be the East Coast of the United States. That's, that's all I know so far. Cool. But uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's all I have so far for that. Awesome. Well, I definitely am really happy to have you on the show, Cody. Amazing work. Um, I'm really happy about the book coming out. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.